Welcome to another edition of Bitcoin Tech Talk. My name is Jimmy Song, and you can always find this newsletter at jimmysong.substack.com. NFTs and DeFi on Bitcoin. Bitcoin Tech Talk, issue number 279. NFTs and DeFi have had their hype during this cycle, and of course, there's always the question that people will ask. Can we get X on Bitcoin? It's usually an argument from well-meaning Bitcoin enthusiasts who want to argue against the case for some other coin that's been able to get a lot of marketing buzz through the uh, introduction of said thing. It's easy to argue that such a thing is technically possible. Certainly, you could do something like uh, like a non-fungible token and collateralize lending as an excuse for issuing new tokens on Bitcoin. It would probably surprise people to know that both were possible on Bitcoin back in 2013. Yet the technical feasibility is missing the point. There's a reason why these products aren't on Bitcoin, and that's what I'm writing about today. Each bull cycle, there's some hype around something or other, and putting the hype thing on Bitcoin is the compromise that many in Bitcoin look to. During the altcoin boom of 2013, features on various altcoins were things people were asked to put on Bitcoin. In 2017, ICOs received similar treatment by some, as were gaming assets in 2018 and so on. Each time, the technical question of whether it's possible on Bitcoin was touted as the, as the definitive argument against altcoins. But technical feasibility is ceding too much ground. That's conceding that these products have actual some actual use case. Altcoins, including the newest versions, NFTs and DeFi tokens, have no real use other than to enrich the people who issued the tokens. The battle should be fought at the level of concept, not at the level of technical feasibility. Yes, technically all these things are possible, but adding technical features to allow for these things would be legitimatizing them. The fact is that all of these innovations require some sort of token issuance or money printing by a central authority. They are by nature centralized, and the trust inherent in centralization is what's abused for the profit of those in control. In other words, they're scams. These products are highly dependent on marketing and very little on technology. The tech is copied all the time. What's instructive is that the same exact technology does substantially worse because it does not have the same marketing. Ethereum Classic is the same as Ethereum technically, yet all these tokens launch on Ethereum, not Ethereum Classic. It was never about the technology. This is why arguing for technical feasibility on Bitcoin is missing the point. The game they're playing is one of hype and marketing, and that's not a game won by the most features. Instead, it's a game won by marketing, hype, and massive monetary support in the form of investment by VCs. They're monetary status games, much in the same way that fiat currencies are. Copying the technology and structure of the European Central Bank by an African country wouldn't suddenly make them as powerful. The country's reputation matters in a centralized system, and that's why copying the code doesn't automatically give you the same value. In other words, money is valued very differently than technology. And this is the real perniciousness of this weird game that all altcoins play. They're competing for mindshare, which allows them to impose a certain reality through their centralized tokens. That sounds familiar. It should. It's the same game that central banks are playing right now on the global stage. It's it's in this monetary status game, whoever is most convincing wins, at least temporarily. Who wins has little to do with technology and a lot more to do with power, marketing, fashion, and luck. 
They all compete on the centralized monetary trust. Whichever centralized entity gets the most trust from the market wins. Bitcoin, for that reason, doesn't compete with all of these other coins. Its value is based on its ability to not change. It's not a central committee that's trying to gain trust from the public. It's computer code that proves its trustworthiness by running and being verified by the public every 10 minutes. Bitcoin is decentralized. Decentralized verification is, it, it, is the source of its truth and not the trustworthiness of some central committee. Bitcoin competes as decentralized money. It's a very different animal than the centralized monetary trust game that the other coins are playing. All coins, including NFTs and DeFi and whatever, are always trading on future promises and fluctuate in value based on the perceived trustworthiness of the central controllers. This is similar to how FX markets operate, which is based on the perceptions of the actions of the various central banks that control them. They're both truly wasteful games that produce little value and incentivizes rent-seeking. This is the game that Bitcoin is trying to upend. The current monetary system is wasteful for the same reasons that altcoins are. The centralized altcoin games encourage all manner of rent-seeking instead of real production. We don't want Bitcoin to play that game because Bitcoin is competing to be better money on the basis of decentralization. This is why Bitcoin doesn't need or want hype in the form of these features. Let the centralized things compete in, the, in their shrinking market. Bitcoin will eat their lunch by competing at another level. So I wrote this piece uh, thinking through sort of like this, uh, this thing that a lot of people say, which is, hey, can we get DeFi or NFTs on Bitcoin? And my argument is, yes, but why would you want to, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and you're, you're competing in this monetary status game that all fiat currencies and all coins play and that's the big difference between bitcoin and all coins bitcoin isn't playing that fiat status game it's basically its own thing it's hard money it's valuable on its own for what it provides rather than it's valuable because you trust the central controllers of the currency to do whatever and the those are two very different markets and in a sense um you know Fiat currency and altcoins have a lot more in common with each other than Bitcoin does with either of them. And that's that's the big difference. Um, and if you import stuff like DeFi, NFTs or whatever, you're you're competing. You're you're not going you're not competing with them on that thing. The technology is the least uh, important part of any of this stuff. Um, like I said, like you can copy it straight up and, and, and like the code is open source most of the time. So you can just straight up copy it uh, and like stuff like Binance chain has, right? Like they copied all of Solidity off of Ethereum and you can run the exact same smart contracts. They're competing, like the technology does matter. It's all about marketing and hype uh, around sort of the trust and the centralized controllers. That's that's why these things have the market caps that they do. So um, for me, the argument it needs to be at the conceptual level and not at the technical feasibility level. Um, and that's something that a lot of all corners use to, as if they know something saying, oh, you know, Bitcoin can't do this and they're not innovating. Well, we are innovating, just not in the way you're, you're thinking. It's not about adding the next hype thing so that you can scam more people out of their money. It's about actually securing value for all those people that, uh, that already own Bitcoin and, or are getting into Bitcoin. So, uh, that was my rant for today. <laughs> Hopefully you got something out of that. All right. Let's talk about Bitcoin. 
Gloria Zhao de, uh, describes what replace by fee is and the problems associated with it. The main problems are related to pinning attacks, which essentially pin transactions in a mempool and don't allow replacement due to certain limitations with the default core RBF policy. It turns out that doing an RBF transaction to bump the fee rate is quite difficult as it's not entirely clear whether the RBF will succeed replacing the transactions in the mempool a lot of times. She goes through the various ways in which some of the identified problems can be solved and there's an ongoing discussion on the Bitcoin dev list about these ideas. Given the importance of being able to get transactions in, especially for Lightning, this is an important consideration for future Bitcoin development. So uh, Gloria is one of the rising stars of, uh, of, of you know, Bitcoin development and her um, her discussion on RBF is really quite lucid. And, uh, you know, there, there's a significant amount of discussion on uh, Bitcoin dev mailing list for that reason. It's it's she's defined the problem very well. Um, encourage you to look at it and what RBF pinning and all that is um, and that highly recommend it. It's a very good open question to ponder. Um, and if you're a researcher, this is definitely something you should look into. Bitfinex examines address reuse as part of the network. The report, frankly, isn't great. Uh, there is quite a lot of address reuse and it only seems to be growing. They speculate that this is mostly exchanges who have no concerns about privacy. This is probably correct given that the deposit transactions are often reusing the same addresses to make database queries easier and faster. They've indicated that they'll look into more detail in the coming weeks. So um, <clears throat> address reuse uh, does still happen quite a bit on the network. Um, and the speculation is that a lot of it is coming from exchanges. If you have a deposit address, not necessarily going to exchange, uh, change it because, of course, like if you deposit to that address, you already know that it's going to go to your account um, and on chain, like maybe that leaves a footprint or whatever. But, you know, it's um, it's just easier to handle. So, uh, you know, I, I, w I would encourage, uh, you know, changing your address, but I get it like a lot of people don't want to. Um, and Bitfinex uh, thinks that you know, this is the main cause. And I, I suspect that's true. So, um, you know, I, I look forward to more of their reports because, uh, you know, address reuse is very bad for privacy and so on. A recent paper looks at the code changes that all coins that fork from Bitcoin have made. The researchers examined 592 code bases of code forks of Bitcoin and found that 80% had at least one major security vulnerability that wasn't patched. And half of the 20 very closely examined code did not make a single meaningful code change. Even the security patches that did flow down from Bitcoin Core took an average of 238 days for altcoin devs to implement. In other words, there's hard evidence that altcoins are made not to innovate, but to enrich their founders. So um, the paper is very interesting. I think it was uh, largely by like South Korean uh, researchers, but the, the main point seems to be like all these people like for Bitcoin make all these promises and they don't do anything about it. So you'll often have a major patch in uh, Bitcoin Core and they don't flow down to these altcoins that are downstream of Bitcoin Core, at least from a code sense. Um, and that tells you like they don't really care. And that's that's kind of sad, but kind of you, you, you can kind of see why uh, they, you know, their coins like not popular anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Lightning. 
Marty Bent is forking Ghost to add lightning paywalls. Ghost is, is a self-hosted platform for blogs, newsletters, and other content, so this is a pretty good match. Given that many Lightning Node operators already have servers set up, adding Ghost to Umbral, Start9, MyNode, BTC shouldn't be too difficult once this product is shipping. There are plenty of people that would like to run their own server, and adding Lightning paywalls allows for much easier monetization than something like ads. I can't wait to see what people come up with when this goes live. So, Ghost is a pretty cool platform. I think Jack Dorsey uh, mentioned it as sort of like an alternative to Substack. Um, self-hosted newsletters and things of that nature, which um, which I think is the direction that we all need to move in. You, you need to be in control of your own content instead of giving it to some giant corporation. Um, and they're adding lightning uh, uh, paywall. So uh, instead of just having your content out there for free, you can make it so that you know they have to pay some lightning invoice in order to go get it or whatever. And that's, um, I think, ultimately going to be the direction that all of this stuff is going to go in. Um, and that's not just blogs, but, you know, or newsletters, but, you know, photos and, you know, videos and things like that. Um, and, you know, that's that's what self-sovereignty means. You run your own server and control your own data. Cash App now allows you to transfer via Lightning. With this, they've, they're joining the exchanges that have implemented Lightning. They joined Strike, River, and Bitfinex as the exchanges that have Lightning integration. Uh, generally, what we're seeing in the market is that exchanges are now bifurcating into Bitcoin exchanges and altcoin exchanges. The Bitcoin ones seem much more eager to add Lightning and altcoins more altcoins, which we'll see which is the better long-term play. So um, Cash App is clearly a Bitcoin-only company and they're implementing Lightning withdrawals because, you know, that makes sense. It's faster. <laughs> Just, you know, you get it right away. Uh, whereas uh, all, all these like altcoin exchanges, well, you, you have a worse user experience. So I suspect that this bifurcation um, is uh, is like a major is going to be a major thing over the next few years. You're going to have, you know, basically altcoin casinos, and you're going to have like secure Bitcoin banking. Like the that though you really there's not nothing really other than that. It's it's an altcoin casino or secure Bitcoin banking. I I think uh, Bitcoin banking's better, and uh, and that's probably the way that they're going to go. Um, Sensei is a lightning implementation uh, built with BDK and LDK from Spiral, formerly Square Crypto. They're built as a lightning node for everyone, suggesting that it's easier to use and has better UI than other implementations. What's particularly interesting about this implementation is that it has the concept of child nodes. That is, nodes that are lightweight because they aren't they use the parents' resources. The main idea being that one person can run the full lightning node while others, say a relative or a friend, can run a child node off the same resources. It's a great concept, and I hope places like Elzante take a look. So I kind of feel like a lot of people a lot of devs or people that are like into Bitcoin like kind of do this already, right? Like um, you know, for your less technically minded relatives or friends or something like that, you will often like, um, you know, help them out and, you know, help uh, either help them run their own node, uh, oftentimes just sort of like custody Bitcoin on their behalf. Um, and if it's like your, you know, boomer parents or something like that, that's completely understandable. Um, this is sort of taking that concept a little further with uh, child notes. So, you can have them run their own lightning node um, as sort of like part of your cluster of lightning nodes. Um, and 
a child node uh, will use the same resources as, as the parent, but be its own node. So um, I think it's a great idea. I, I want to see things go more in this direction where um, instead of everybody, every each individual having their own node, it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, your trusted circle having one node and, you know, like, yeah, you're a little more fragile, but, you know, you you have trust relationships built in and you're able to leverage that. So I, I think that would be awesome. Economics, engineering, etc. 1031 explains why they're so bullish on open source software. The article is a nice long read on the benefits of open source, the business case for investing in open source companies, and why the ethos aligns with Bitcoin. It's easy for me to forget as a programmer that most people don't understand what open source software is, let alone why it's important. Much like Bitcoin, the benefits of open source are enormous, even if it's not obvious at first. So um, I think they're basically explaining their thesis because I, I, I think they're mostly... Uh, investing in Bitcoin companies and, you know, a lot of these Bitcoin companies in order to be fully transparent and make it so that you can uh, verify and not trust, they, they have a lot of open source code. So, um, you know, they're, they're explaining open source software, um, you know, like probably to a lot of their LPs and so on. But it makes total sense. I recommend you read that thing if you don't understand what open source is and uh, how it relates to Bitcoin. Apparently, the Bitcoin Finex hack coins moving was done by the government as they are alleging that a husband and wife couple hacked them. What's surprising is that they apparently kept the keys on a cloud server and the government was able to recover the coins now worth billions of dollars. Court documents show that there's an additional 300 million that they haven't recovered, which are probably in offline wallets. So um, the several billion or whatever was in the cloud. Uh, there's an additional 300 million that they can't account for. They suspect that it's in cold wallets or something like that. Um, so, you know, it it's kind of a crazy story, uh, especially if you've seen any of the rap videos from the woman. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, like a lot of people are asking, like, why would you keep it on a cloud? I, I, I'm thinking that if you're a criminal, like like you, you have different needs than somebody that's like saving money. Uh, if you're saving money, you just kind of want it in as secure a place as possible. If you're a criminal, then you want it as accessible as possible while people can't get at it. So maybe a cloud, cloud uh uh, storage makes sense and so on. Um, they don't exactly like teach you this stuff anywhere, but you know, that's that's my thinking. Canadian truckers are bringing a lot of publicity to Bitcoin with Go, uh, GoFundMe refusing to disperse money to them and Canadian banks essentially seizing funds meant for them. Bitcoin is showing that it's a decentralized system capable of transferring large amounts peer to peer. What's more, no altcoin would be capable of pulling this off. They all lack liquidity and or have political pressure points that is single points of failure, which make them incapable of doing something like this. So a uh, very interesting uh, sort of thing that's happening with the Canadian truckers because financial oppression uh, seems to be coming there or financial cutoff or whatever, like they're, they're choke pointing all of this stuff, right? Like uh, they, they have to receive the money somehow. Uh, and you know, they're, they're using Canadian banks as a point, a single point of failure, GoFundMe as a single point of failure and they failed. Um, and whereas Bitcoin doesn't have a single point of failure, so you can get through, uh, it would, it, it would have been really interesting if, uh, if somebody tried to do the same thing with that, uh, and you know, like say the Canadian government went and arrested Joe Lubin or, and the Talibutin or something like that and told them, Hey, you got a hard fork, give that money to us, something like that. Um, you know. Sadly, that's not happening. But, you know, like that, that would be an interesting thing to see and, uh, you know, watch what 
uh, what a governmental entity ends up doing with uh, all coins that try to do the same. A pseudonymous post shows what the Cantillon effect is and how Bitcoin fixes it. For people that aren't versed in, in Austrian economics, it's a foreign concept and one that needs careful explanation. The post does a good job of explaining what it is and how it benefits certain people. As the article points out, Bill Gates buying a significant amount, uh, significant tracts of real estate is likely a way to capitalize off the significant money printing. This article is recommended for people that don't really understand the evils of central banking. So uh, the post goes through Cantillon effects and, and things like that. And it, it talks about, you know, like Bill Gates being one of the winners of the Cantillon effect. And what he's doing is leveraging all of this newly printing money to put it in hard assets. He's buying tracts of land all over the country, uh, all over the world, probably. Um, and that that's a way for him to capitalize on the newly printed money. He's buying hard assets before inflation kicks in on all that newly printed money. And he's been doing it for two years. So he, he's benefited tremendously in making a ton of money off of it. Um, and that that's the sort of thing that doesn't really get out there in the mainstream because Oh, he's like, uh, you know, doing something good for India or something like that. And they don't realize that they're uh, all these cantillionaires are playing these games. Guardian profiles a Norwegian mining operation that runs on clean energy and uses excess heat to dry wood. This is, of course, counter to the ESG narrative, but that's not the only reason to applaud the company. The excess heat usage is a good thing, and I expect more mining companies to use it productively. Mining is currently too profitable to op optimize excess heat, but this will be an important part of the ecosystem as mining competition enters the market. Someone will figure out the most profitable use of the excess heat and will be handsomely rewarded. So uh, right now it's extremely profitable to um, do Bitcoin mining. So like uh there there's not that much money going into optimization uh if you can get an extra percent that's great but right now that's that's not the big concern the big concern is getting as many of these things online as possible because it's so freaking profitable so uh you know the excess heat is basically just dissipating and no one's really using it uh, other than this one mining operation but as we get uh more mining online uh and more competition you know like Everyone's going to have to be more um, more streamlined and, and so on. Uh, otherwise, they'll go bankrupt. So, you know, this excess heat is, you know, useful energy. Um, and, you know, somebody will figure out something that will make them a good deal of money. Um, and, you know, there, there's probably some optimal thing that can be done with that excess heat uh, that will make the most money. And it's probably different for different geographies. But that's that's what I'm looking forward to learning more about as this industry evolves. Uh, quick hits. There's a much easier way to browse BIPs using this website. So you can uh, learn about the different bips that I always talk about on the show. Uh, seriously, stop asking about quantum. You shouldn't worry instead about dolphins. Uh, so please go take a look at both links. If you are a, you know, you think quantum's going to break Bitcoin, go read that short article. And if you uh, haven't read that dolphin thing, it's hilarious. Um, BlockFi is settling with the SEC for a cool $100 million. Um, very interesting that... They are more or less like, uh, you know, they, they realized that this could drag on for a while. So they just decided to settle. Um, finally, an honest altcoin. Uh, go, go take a look at that. That's also kind of funny. Another a week, another altcoin exchange shuts down. Another week, another huge exploit on an altcoin, though apparently caught in time. So 
uh, that developer apparently like received $2 million or something. Anyway, I am going to be in London for Advancing Bitcoin March 3rd and 4th. I am also going to be at Bitcoin 2022 in Miami, April 6th through 8th. I'll also be doing the program blockchain seminars in London right before that conference and Miami right before the other conference. All right, uh, some podcasts. On this week's Bitcoin Fixes This, I talked to Chris Slaughter about Bitcoin banking. He's creating services so that uh, people in the U.S. can really live on a Bitcoin standard. I read through last week's newsletter, which you can find here. My talk with Ted Cruz during the Bitcoin block, uh, uh, Texas Blockchain Summit is up. And here is the latest book, Bitcoin and the American Dream, which is on Amazon. My other books are Thank God for Bitcoin, The Little Bitcoin Book, and Programming Bitcoin, all of which can be found on Amazon. Unchained Capital is the sponsor of this newsletter. I'm an advisor and proud to be a part of a company that's enhancing security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at Unchained.com. Fiat Lenda S, this song is done. <laughs>